Next on BYU Sports Nation, making a September statement. What would it take for BYU football to make a splash in the opening month of college football? Is it a good or bad thing BYU's offense returns 92% of the yards? Blaine Fowler answers that. Plus, what's the greatest BYU athlete celebrity movie cameo? Hashtag Monstars? Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Monday, June 18th, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with FIFA rankings voter, Jerem Jordan. Well, if I work for FIFA, that means I can be persuaded financially quite easily, Spencer. Is that really that far from the truth? Mm, no, okay. probably not. Well, there you go. Depends on uh, if it's about the BYU football schedule or not. <laughs> How much money would it take you to feel okay about the way BYU football is not, scheduling? Let's not discuss that on, <laughs> on the air, Spencer. That's a lunchtime conversation. Oh. We've discussed this before. Shout out to FIFA. <laughs> All rise and shout. Lots to discuss. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. The guru of preseason college football magazines, Phil Steele, as part of his upcoming 2018 edition, has released several statistical gems, including the following. BYU returns 91.6% of the yardage production from the Cougars' 2017 season. That's the fifth best percentage of any college football team in the nation. I know what many of you are thinking. Let's ask the question, Jerem, does BYU returning 91.6% of their yardage production from 2017 give you more confidence in this year's team? No. The answer is no, because BYU's offense stunk. One of the worst in BYU history. So no, that doesn't mean that BYU's offense is going to stink this year, but it means that BYU needs to improve. And where's the biggest improvement? It's not in new players coming in, although there will be some new players. The offensive line, you lose three starters, you bring in a, a guy like Gunnar Romney, you bring in Zach Katoa at running back. The biggest difference will be your boy Jeff Grimes. The scheme will be different. So hopefully these players that the year before, to a degree, some of which uh, helped with that 9-4 and four season, hopefully BYU can uh, split the difference, right, and get six or seven wins, get back to a bowl game. So no, if if I told you there was a business near your neighborhood that had a terrible year and it returned most of its employees but got a new manager, that's the equivalent here. They're, well, you're hoping that that manager can make a difference with those employees because those employees stunk last year. I'm not so much concerned about the 91.6% because we're talking about a BYU offense that was historically bad, okay? So let's not celebrate the percentage of yards that comes back. But you're right. The hope is what I care more about is the the major switch in management. And I made this analogy a couple of weeks ago, a month ago or so. It's like an experience that you have at a restaurant that's usually pretty good, but you go and you get sick and it's not good and you're hesitant to go back, right? You need... Chef Robert Irvine to come in and do extreme restaurant makeover. You still have all of the same employees, but you have a new sous chef or daytime manager that you're hoping can mix things up, 
change the look of the restaurant, change up the items on the menu, the play calls, the formations, and inspire the current employees to be better than they were. That's the hope, right? So 91.6%, great. Don't really care about it. What I care about is that they have hired a new sous chef and a new daytime manager to come in here and revamp things and reinvigorate the interior decoration and make everything look better and then inspire the employees that are still there to work harder and be better, right? One of the most overrated things in the preseason is returning whatever. It's like, well, what if the returning whatever stunk? But the difference is that the OC is new for BYU, and we all hope that it's much, much different. BYU Football Media Day is Friday. Right here on BYU TV and BYU Radio, we're six or weeks or so away from fall camp. And September 1st is just how many days away again? Countdown to the Wildcats! 75! Okay, that seems like a significant number. The Arizona game begins what the Cougars hope is a September to remember, Spencer. But what would BYU have to do to make a statement in September? That is our question of the day. The easy answer is to point at Washington and Wisconsin and say, Win one of those games. Uh, yeah, clearly beating a top 10 team on the road would make a statement, but I don't think we have to go as far as week three or week five to wait for BYU to make a statement. I've said it before. Win the opening two games. Both Power 5 opponents. You want the hype machine to roll? You want the national I media don't, to actually. talk about BYU? I want that. Beat Arizona and Cal be 2-0 and and flirting with the rankings Ooh, going to Wisconsin. That's a BYU thing. When BYU opens the season 2-0 and in Independence, highlighted by AP5 win or two, have they been in the national conversation? Yes. 2014, 2015, back-to-back years, the Cougars did it and were relevant. They were ranked in those years. Don't think that'll be the case this year if BYU wins the first two. But I don't think it takes winning at Wisconsin or Washington for BYU to make a statement. You win the opening two, and you're 2-0? and Yeah. Then you're being talked about as you go to Madison. A statement is an external thing. Like, other, it's to other people, right? Internal statements aren't often a thing. Coming right? off a 4-9 and nine season, you win the opening two against Power 5 teams in the Pac-12? I'd say that's a statement. Yeah, so a statement's an external thing. So how BYU gets on the map and makes a statement is to beat Washington or to beat Wisconsin. Or to go 4-1. and one. I don't think that 3-2 and two will be a statement nationally. I think there'd be some recognition. But when you're one game over 500, that's not like a big deal, in my opinion. Although internally, that would be a big deal. If we're talking externally, which to me a statement is, um, I don't give myself a bank statement. Wells Fargo gives it to me. Um, yeah, that's my bank. Uh, that would be a statement. 4-1 and one, or you get one of those top 10 wins. Beating Arizona and Cal would be awesome. That would be like the start that BYU needs. Because last year BYU had three FBS wins. Three? Are you serious? If you start with two right away and you're going to get McNeese State, you're going to be three and two. You're going to be three that, and one going to Washington. That would be awesome. Um, I don't see BYU beating Washington or Wisconsin. Like, that would be awesome. And could it happen? Sure. I just don't see it right now. Uh, I'm hoping BYU goes two and three out of September, frankly. I think that... If, if the goal is to get to a bowl game, two and three would be good to me. BYU wins the first two, they'll win eight games this season. Oh, yeah. If they win the first two, all of a sudden expectations change for the whole year. Yes. Because that's, that's what why we I, do. That's why I feel like that's the statement. The opening two, oh, my goodness. Everything can change in the opening two. If BYU loses that first one, don't lose hope. Like, come back home, 
Beat Cal. Get the equalizer and spirit of the World Cup. Figure it out. Yeah. Make it happen. Hey, shout out to the Mexican national soccer team for pulling off a notable 1-0 upset over Germany in L3. the World Cup yesterday. They take down the number one ranked and favorite to win the World Cup, at least odds makers say, going into what we're watching in Russia. We'll leave it up to you to determine how much of an upset Mexico over Germany is, and we'll also leave it up to you to determine the following. Which possible win for BYU football over a gauntlet team? There are six. Let's recap them. Arizona, Cal, Wisconsin, Washington, Boise State, Utah. Which of those six would you consider a minor upset? Okay, major would be Washington or Wisconsin, both preseason top ten. Beating Arizona on the road would be a nice win to start the year. Cal, to me, would be a minor upset because that was a 5-7 and seven team last year. That's at home, okay? Uh, that is more of a pick than maybe you'd think. I think Cal will still be favored by uh, one score or fewer in that game. Utah wouldn't be minor to me because the Cougars have lost seven in a row and it's a Power 5 road win if that happens. Boise State would be an upset and not minor because they're probably going to be top 25, uh, one of the top group of five teams on the road. BYU hasn't won there in four tries, although three of those have been decided by one. So I go with Cal. That would be the least surprising gauntlet win because it's the only gauntlet game at home. Yeah, that's the, that's the answer. I mean, you got one of the six in your home digs. One. And it's a 5-7 and seven team last year, although expectations are high for Cal this year. I believe ESPN's FBI has them winning eight or nine games this season. That's a lot in, in that division. So I mean, the answer is Cal. You got to come Cal. home. BYU has been traditionally good in home openers. Um, we'll see. We'll see, but I think Cal is the answer. It's interesting because... A lot of my answer of how BYU will do in the gauntlet is based on where the game's played. Like, I'm hoping BYU gets two. One is my realistic expectation because one's at home. I wouldn't say if Wisconsin and Washington were at home, I would expect to win one of those. No. But, like, if, if Arizona was at home, I would say, okay, you got to get that one. It's on the road. It's the first one. It's a new offense. Generally, that's a slow start unless you have Brandon Doman and the Doak Walker Award winner in the backfield, and you score 70 because yeah, you play Tulane. Who knows what Arizona's going to put out on the field with a brand-new right. staff. We just know that they have perhaps the most dynamic quarterback in the Pac-12 in the West, and that's the ah, part of that. Over the weekend, former Cougar and G-leaguer L.J. Rose helped warm up politician Ted Cruz, who was preparing for a game of one-on-one versus late-night talk show host Jimmy Kimmel. So this got us thinking, what's the best BYU celebrity cam- cameo ever? It has to be Sean Bradley in Space Jam, right? That was a good one. When you're in a movie that does well in the box office, headlined by Michael Jordan. The go-at. And you're with Charles Barkley and Bill Murray. Like, that was Muggsy a, Bogues. a star-studded cast within the basketball realm. Yeah, it did well. Uh, yeah, I think Sean Bradley, 7-6. He played himself perfectly. Okay. Tall, a little bit awkward. He's perfect for the Monstars. A <laughs> little bit awkward. Very BYU. <laughs> That's That's a, a, that was a great, that I, was think a great it, I think it's Sean Bradley. Number two pick overall in the yeah. NBA draft. Like yeah. he, he, one and done he here. Got, the only he got one here. casted in that movie for a reason. Others that come to mind, uh, former defensive lineman, the, the pride of Grable, Wyoming, Brett Kiesel. Oh, was yeah. in the Dark Knight Rises. Uh, spoiler alert. 
So Bane blows up, uh, you know, a football stadium. And uh, Brett Kiesel, uh, his character was, quote, blown to smithereens. That's yeah, from t- Brett. He told us that on the show. Yeah. We need to find that sound yeah. bite, by the way. Another one, uh, Julie Stauffer on The Real World in 2000. That caused quite a stir. Wait, what sport did Julie Stauffer play? It doesn't say sport. It just says BYU Celebrity. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. She played The Real World, Spencer, on MTV. <laughs> 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 does does your boy uh, who was it? David Archuleta? What was he on? American Idol or whatever? That's yes. how he got. Does that count? Even though he was on that before he got to BYU, he became a BYU student later. Uh, you tell me. Does I that don't count? know. We're making up the rules as we go, aren't we? That's what we do on this program. <laughs> when it's June eighteenth, yes, yes, David Archuleta. Underrated, counts. underrated appearance. Wally Joyner in Little Big League. And don't forget uh, the singles ward, although that's a Mormon film. The 12-year-old kid that runs the Minnesota Twins in Little Big League, every time I see him, he kind of reminds me of Jerem Jordan. <laughs> Smart, dashing, <laughs> next level. Yeah, those things. Annoying. <laughs> Too organized. Oh, hey, send in your celebrity cameos if you have those. Also answer our question of the day. What would BYU have to do to make a statement in September to open up the college football season? Time to hear from you, BYUSN. This is the Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At WD Heath 40, in on the Twitter machine, nationally 4-1 and one or 5-0. and oh. For the fan base, 3-2 and two with strong offensive performances. We'll make the statement that last year was an outlier. Would two and three be a statement given how poor BYU played last year? Because no. you'd get a Power Five win. No, and McNeese State. I don't think so. Either. No, yeah, I don't think so. Either. A winning record in September would be incredible. Hey, how about this? At S Taki Taki sixteen and on Instagram, Sione Taki Taki. This is uh, your boy Sione. Projected starting linebacker. One word he says: win. Okay, how much though? I'm telling you, see, when, see from when the, the opening two was like, listen, we're going to try and win all five. Well, of course you are. If BYU wins the opening two games, that will be a September statement. <sighs> that would be nice. I'll take three and two right now. I'll take two and three right now, honestly. That's a tough September, bro. Hashtag BYUSN, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. More of your responses later in the show. Coming up, our team, Croatia, gets it done. And the latest from Russia in our World Cup date. Was there ever any doubt that Croatia wouldn't open up? Uh, Luka Modric dominated in the midfield. Plus national champion quarterback, dual threat analyst, and our Uncle B, Blaine Fowler, helps us shake off any Monday blues we may still have. What kind of impact does he expect from Nick Emery in his return to BYU basketball? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is the week, people. BYU Football Media Day is this week, baby. Friday, June 22nd, programming throughout the day on BYU TV and BYU Radio. You are not going to want to miss the eighth edition of this in year eight of independence. Coming up Friday. Monday. And we roll in. Welcome back. BYU Sports Nation simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Our conversation is rolling. Follow at BYU Sports Nation on Twitter and Instagram. Hashtag BYUSN whenever, however, wherever you would like to converse with us. That's the beauty of social media. Our question of the day. What would BYU football have to do to make a statement in September? At WebBRP says, 
five and zero. Oh. Would it really be a statement with anything less? Four and one, even three and two are nice, but not a statement. Four and one Four, I just would Four. not be a statement. Four and one's BYU's ranked. They beat a top ten team. Stop like, it! What? Come on, man. Four and one. That's a little greedy. Are you the Are wow. you the kid that grabbed the whole pinata candy or what? Did you not share it with anybody? Come on, man. <laughs> I literally, I, I am shocked. Four, is there anybody else out was, there that thinks BYU going four and one wouldn't be a September statement? Also, five and zero oh is like so unrealistic. So is four and one probably. Wow. Three and two would be awesome. Wow. Okay? I know you want to win every game, but man, hashtag BYUSN <laughs> Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's a competitor though. Five and zero, oh, baby. That's true. That's true. You know, and that's uh, what a guy like Max Hall would say, right? Five and zero. Oh. <laughs> He'd probably say something else with it. <laughs> Joining us now in Studio B, dual threat analyst, national champion quarterback at BYU, all around good man, Uncle B, Blaine Fowler. Blaine, welcome back to the set. Happy Monday, man. It's good to be here, guys. Blaine's always the most tan guy here. We're getting close. I know. And we have makeup on. That's the product of Hawaii, Las Vegas for a weekend by the pool, and then this last weekend we were in Park City at the Waldorf and we laid around the pool. So you have a little pool time already this Sounds like your life sucks, Blaine. No, but now I'll just, <laughs> as the summer progresses, when I should be getting tanner, I'll just get whiter now. My fun's all almost over now. Let's give some credit to Blaine. He's playing injured today. He's not scared. Yeah. He shows up even when the body's not feeling 100%. Yeah, I tore my meniscus running last week, so I'm here, though. Cortisone in the knee, and I'm ready to roll. You can still broadcast with the torn meniscus, luckily. Oh, I thought this was a big deal. I thought I was like taking one for the team here and playing hurt. Okay, we our question of the day: What would BYU have to do to make a statement in September? We we just heard uh, from someone who said five and zero, oh, but not four and one. What would be a statement in terms of record in your opinion? Three and two would be crazy. You for think me. so? Like I, I fully expect that a two and three in September. You know, two and three in those first five games is doable. But but three and two would mean they wouldn't split those first two games. They'd go undefeated. And if their only two losses were to two top ten teams in Wisconsin and Washington, I think that would be a huge statement that this is a different season. So I'd be I'd be thrilled at three and two. If BYU wins the first two games, would that not make a September statement? Oh, absolutely would. But but here's the thing: even if they split those first two games and they come out of September, say they come out of September two and three, which I think if they split, they would come out two and three at worst, right? Um, then I think they go in that conference weekend on October fifth, and and they get even at three and three. Then that's the last time we talk about a losing record the rest of the season. That'd be awesome. Because then I think they stay ahead of the ledger the rest of the year. So they get they get to even on October fifth and then then they're four and three on October thirteenth. Then they're five and three on October twenty seventh. Then they go to Boise at five and three. And then we see what happens in the end. But to me if they can get two and three in September, the the last time we talk about a losing record in this season is going into conference weekend. Then they're even, and then they have a winning record the rest of the year. And then they go into the Utah game bowl eligible. And so, so I think two and three for me coming out of September is not unrealistic. I think it's they have to split with those first two teams to do it. And I'd be really happy with that if they're three and two coming out of there. Yikes! That's that's overachieving in my mind, and I think that's a statement. Blaine Fowler with us on BYU Sports Nation. Looking at the gauntlet, six games. We've laid them out often on this program. Uh, It starts with Arizona and then Cal, followed by Wisconsin, Washington, Boise State, and Utah. Which of those six games, Blaine, would you consider a minor upset 
if BYU pulls it off. E- either one of the first two, Arizona or California. Because coming into the season, everybody is talking about BYU being an underdog in, in all of all of those games, right? And so I think they're Arizona, they've made some changes in the offseason. BYU comes back, I think, more equipped, regardless of who the quarterback is, more equipped with somebody that's had reps in that game. And and so there's I don't think that that would surprise me. That would be a mild upset if they wanted Arizona. For them to win against Cal at home, to me, the the odds makers are going to say that's an upset. But to me, that's a mild upset. I think that they could split those games very easily. That would not surprise me if they split those two games. And you want to know what? I wouldn't be flabbergasted if they won them both. I, I honestly wouldn't. I'd go, oh, okay. Well, they have made a step forward. But but a split in those games wouldn't wouldn't be surprising to me in any way, shape, or form. You talked about who the quarterback could be having more reps. Do you do you feel like it's Tanner Mangum versus the field at this point, or is it uh, more open than that? Well, Tanner's been healthy. You know, he's been out running Friday. They were running stadiums. With weight vests on, that made my meniscus hurt just thinking about it. <laughs> but but these guys, so he's out and he's and he's healthy. When he's healthy, obviously he's had the most reps. You know, Joe Critchlow had reps. Now, um, Bo looked really really good, and then he was hobbled a little bit in spring. So to me, this quarterback race is about who's healthy. The difference though between going into this season and last season is they're leaving no stone unturned. Wilson's getting reps. So they're not going to go into a position this year where they get into a game and go, gosh, we got to play a guy that's not really been prepared. So they're going to prepare multiple guys um, and maybe at the risk of not giving the guy as many reps as they have the past couple years. And so I don't think we're going to see a big drop-off no matter who it is. But to me, it's all about health. And and Tanner's got the most experience, so if he's 100% healthy and he looks great, then then he kind of ha- has the lead in that. Bo Hodge, I think, when he's 100% healthy, can battle for that job. And so this is all about who's healthy. And Wilson showed me some great things in spring ball. From a skill set perspective, he's really good. And, you know, Robbie Bosco and I spend a lot of time together. We play golf together all the time, old, old roommates from college. And Robbie and I talk a lot. I know that freshmen don't like to hear this, but the best thing in the world for him would be for BYU to be solid with an upperclassman at that position, let him learn and get some time and and develop so he's not thrown in there. You guys talked about that gauntlet. A freshman against Wisconsin is a really bad idea. Yeah, It's a really – no matter yes. how good he is. Yes. You know, and it's it's confusing out there against really good teams that are getting some pressure on you and all that. It would be so nice for him to have a chance to develop because if he gets that opportunity with his skill set and his confidence, he has a chance to be really, really good. So I don't want that to get disrupted by having him forced into playing early on. And that's not, you know, that's not a mindset that these young guys have coming in. Well, let me ask you this. Would you want a freshman Jim McMahon or a freshman Steve Young or nope. a freshman Ty Detmer going to play at Wisconsin and at Washington? Absolutely not. I don't want Mark Wilson, Gifford, Nielsen, Steve Young, or Jim McMahon playing as a freshman. I didn't want John Beck playing as a freshman, and he did, and he was miserable. And, and I wasn't sure he was going to ever recover from that. He did. John was an unbelievable player. When his, his senior season, he was so good. As good as we've had here, he's so efficient and, what, and a great leader. But I think it's a, a little bit remarkable that he recovered from the beating he took as a freshman. And so I, I like the idea of a developing a guy and not forcing him because right, you want a guy that can, first of all, they're going to try to find a guy that won't lose games for him. 
And then if you have a veteran enough guy, then you want a guy that, that can actually go maybe win some games for you. Well, a freshman's a guy that you're just hoping isn't going to lose games for you early on. And if you can give him a chance to develop and, and be good, he, he can be really, really good here after watching what I saw in spring ball. If you're forced to play him, you put him in situations where he could get smacked around and lose some confidence. And, and sometimes you develop bad habits with your feet when you're getting that kind of pressure against those kinds of teams. I mean, Washington and Wisconsin are going to be elite defenses, top 10 defenses in the country. Do we want a freshman to have to carry that? From a skill set perspective, he is really good. And I think he's got an unbelievably great future. I would like to see him be able to develop and learn and then play when he's ready to play. And unfortunately, freshman players and their parents, they don't want to hear that these days. It's like, if why aren't they going to play? You know, he should come in and play. Well, let's hope that there's enough healthy bodies there with veteran guys that they can carry this team and do a good job and give him a chance to develop because I think he has an unbelievable future here. I just would like to see him get a chance to develop the right way. Riddle me this, Blaine. Last week, the NCAA said, okay, new redshirt rule. You can play in four games in the season wherever I like and it. still redshirt. So how does this affect the QB race potentially? Because we could see Zach Wilson at the end of the year. Yeah, it, you can go back all the way back. Remember when Ben Olsen came in as the number one recruit in the country? And Gary, in his mind, I remember talking to him about it. Gary Croton, he's like, man, I really like to redshirt this kid if I can. Meaning I can't play him at all. Or we risk And they're down 27 nothing yeah. at Utah so, State. He doesn't come right, in. Right, so, so go back to those years. You could say, well, you know, we've got some games to play with here. Let's get him a little bit of experience. Let's still try to redshirt him. Let's have that in mind. And if he really surprises us and this team's good enough around him, then, then we don't redshirt him. So it's almost like you have a little bit of a testing ground now. Yes. Right? I think it's fantastic and it allows you to see if a guy's ready or not and then still not lose that redshirt. I, I like that change. And then like a guy like Chaz Ayu, who plays but gets hurt, you could have redshirted him. He goes yeah. on his mission. He comes back for four. I think this is a great rule. It's good. It's, it's, it's a rule that's in favor of the players, which there's been too many rules that allow coaches to move around and do all these things and very restrictive to players. And I think this is a player's rule, and I like it a lot. I like the new transfer rules, too, where you don't have to have permission from the coaches. To, you don't have to have a release anymore to be able to transfer. And I, I've never been okay with a coach can go wherever they want to go. But a player is bound, and the coach can say, nope, you can go anywhere you want, but I'm not going to sign a release for you to go yeah, there. Yeah, then you get these weird feelings. You know, Norm Charles, like so, Michael Wadsworth, you can't go to BYU. I really like Norm's it. mad at BYU. Yeah. Like, what? I really like these changes. I think it's fair to the players. Now, you can't just have open, you can go anywhere you want with players because then Ohio State and Alabama just keep getting better. They just take everybody's good guys. Without some They're type do of, that anyway. Right, they still, but, and that's having, having guys have to sit out a year. So you just can't have an open transfer rule where they can go when there's no penalty, there's no sit out. Because um, then college football, there's a huge disparity between the haves and the, and the not haves. Um, so that has to be there. But I like these subtle changes this offseason. I think it's in favor of players, and it's a, a good thing. BYU football and basketball analyst Blaine Fowler with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's switch things up to basketball before we wrap up, Blaine. Nick Emery, we found out last week, has been fully reinstated to the BYU basketball program with a caveat that he will set out the first nine games for his role in some NCAA infractions. What kind of impact do you expect from Nick Emery upon his return to BYU basketball? I think it was really important for them to get him back with Eli um, going. And, and the reason is you've got to have somebody on the floor down the stretch in games that just wants the basketball in their hands. It's a confident guy that says, hey, listen, I can carry you. Hey, we're having a scoring drought. Put the ball in my hands, and I can do this for you. He is a very mentally tough 
player. And I, and, and I love that game offensively. And do you know what? I, I think he is going to be a smarter player coming back. This opportunity to sit out and watch and evaluate from a distance, I think it'll end up being good for him. And and you watch. If he is not a better defender when he comes back, I will be surprised. Because I think physically he has the ability to be a good defender. He's got a really strong lower body. He's got good lateral quickness. His strength allows him to redirect people in the open court and transition defense. And so I think he can be as good as he wants to be defensively. You know, his first year, he really focused on the offensive end. I think he can be a lights-out offensive player, but maybe a little smarter with shot selection. Where I expect a big upgrade is defensively. I'm right there with you. Watch him be a good perimeter defender. This year off, he's coming back. He's hungry. He wants to be a leader. He wants to be a good teammate. And let's watch and see if he really ups his game defensively, especially as an on-the-ball defender, then BYU ends up being a really good team this year. And I think that he can do that. Blaine Fowler ready for an All-American performance, torn meniscus or not, coming up on Media Day this Friday. So, hey, you got to go hurt. you got to play hurt. No, yeah, that's right. You can play hurt. You just can't play injured. Actually, I'm injured. (laughs) (laughs) You have until Friday to figure it out. I need to get scoped. Let's give you some karma for the approaching uh, knee repair. So the cortisone shot helped, so I'm just playing a little bit. All right. Thanks, Blaine. Great stuff. Thanks. Coming up, more Gregorian chants from the Harris Fine Arts Center from the BYU Men's Chorus. <laughs> Plus, bring in a national champ to break down the World Cup. And how the teenager that is a golf star for BYU, Rhett Rasmussen, finished at the U.S. Open. This is BYU Sports Nation. And our boy Tony Finau, dude. BYU Sports Nation amigos and amigas, welcome back. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. <laughs> Hanging out on Radio Vision Live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV. We're on demand anytime, anywhere. Hey, when Mexico beats Germany. That was a big deal, man. you got to make my, a big deal out of it. My mom's from Mexico. That that hit a chord. El Tri. Awesome. El Tri. We now present some of today's top BYUSN stories. It's your BYU Sports Nation headline. 19-year-old Rhett Rasmussen. Approaching his junior season with BYU Golf, completed two rounds of play in the United States Open of Golf on Friday, one of only 20 amateurs. Rasmussen tied for 112th, finishing with a 36-hole total of 154, plus 14. Hit a very solid second round, four over, late birdie. Uh, Great stuff from Rhett Rasmussen. Congratulations to the young guy on what looks to be a budding and very bright professional career ahead of him and don't forget about uh adopted kook tony finau finished in fifth uh walked home with like 450 g's i think uh so nicely done by tony finau saturday paul Asika and sean davies former BYU cougars started for usa rugby as the eagles pulled off what's considered the greatest win in usa rugby history as they defeated sixth ranked scotland a tier one rugby nation the first such win in usa rugby history 30 to 29 in houston one point win uh, Scotland missed a conversion with no time left, essentially, uh, for the win. The Eagles play Canada in Halifax this weekend. Congratulations to Lasique and Davies. Down goes Scotland! Yeah. Davies, my former roommate, so especially sweet. Another Davies, Brandon Davies, and Zalgiris Kaunas took a 2-1 series lead with a 90-80 win over Lietuvos Rites in the LKL Championship. Davies scored a game-high 27 points 
8 for 12 shooting from the field, 11 for 12 from the free throw line. Attaboy, Brandon. He also registered a team best seven rebounds, an assist, and a block. On Friday, Jacob Bregman was 2 for 2 with an RBI, 2 walks, and 2 stolen bases. Thou shalt in the Norfolk Tide 7-2 loss to the Charlotte Knights in AAA for the for the Baltimore Orioles. Thank you. Bregman's tied first on the team with six stolen bases. Look, the Orioles are 20 and 50. Can we call Jacob Brugman up to the big leagues? Yes. I mean, what what do you have to lose? Maybe he gets More called games. up when the Orioles trade Manny Machado. Yeah. Ugh. All right, I'm off my Orioles soapbox. Meanwhile, the Mariners are 20 games. Yeah, okay, great, Jerem. Good for you. Good for you. Something we can agree on, the World Cup being in June and giving us something to talk about has been a breath of fresh air. And it is time for your World Cup date. Let that music pour over your soul. Three matches today to open up Monday. I thought my Korea Republic team would show up better against Sweden this morning, Jam. They did not. Was it a penalty kick? Lost on a penalty kick. The right? Swedes win 1 0. And Belgium, as expected, taking it to Panama right now. Yeah, it's 3 0. Uh, it was 1 0. 0 0 at halftime. The uh, canals over the waffles uh, tied, I guess, uh, at the break. But then three second half goals. And uh, yeah, I've been watching this one basically the whole show as well. Uh, Tunisia plays England. I have today. two adopted teams. Obviously, our BYU Sports Nation yes. adopted team, Croatia. More on them in a sec. And England. Haven't won since 1966. They're due, man. They open up against Tunisia. Haven't won since 66. Man. Yeah, they're, they like invented the sport, so they're supposed to be good at it, right? Uh, let's update you on how Croatia win. They beat Nigeria 2-0 two, two Saturday. Nice win. Luka Modric with PK to kind of seal it. Dominated in the midfield. Never a doubt. Nice showing from the Croats. The official team of BYU Sports Nation has randomly selected last Wednesday. So uh, they lead Group D with three points, which is great. Okay. Um, Nigerian own goal, by the way, was the game losing goal for Nigeria. The Super Eagles, as they call them. The Super Eagles. Okay, next up, uh, Thursday, Argentina. That will certainly be a tough one. I think if, if Croatia can walk out with the tie, that'd be a good result. Now, there is some drama surrounding our squad, Croatia. Mm-hmm. Forward Nikola Kalinic Who? has been sent home and kicked off the squad after declining to sub into the match against Nigeria. He's the Rodney Hood of the Croatian <laughs> soccer team. <laughs> I'm not going in. Why wouldn't he go in? Go in. Hey, uh, I have one question for you. Mexico upsets Germany. But how much of an upset was it, Jerem? It was a big upset. What qualifies a huge upset? It was a big upset. <laughs> I thought Iceland tying Argentina was was equal to or better. That was impressive. Because Iceland's in its first World Cup game ever, ever, and they have like a Utah County worth of people in their country, 330,000. That was incredible. They stop a PK from Messi. Are you kidding me? See, Mexico over Germany for me was BYU over Oklahoma in 2009. Because Mexico is still good. Like BYU is good. Yeah, everyone thinks, like, when BYU beat Miami, like, oh, we were nobody. BYU was ranked in the top 20. Like, they weren't a slouch. They were good. Yeah, Mexico over Germany, BYU over Oklahoma in 2009. Question of the day. What would BYU football have to do to make a statement in September? They'd have to play that music. Jaker Kemp says, two out of five would be nice, but in order to make a statement, not only to BYU fans but nationally, they have to go three out of five in September. I'd be more happy with three wins in one month after only getting four the entire previous season. 
Yeah, starting three and two would be great because obviously September is the toughest part of the schedule. Yeah, Boise State and Utah in November. October, BYU's got a clean house. Northern Illinois is the only real challenge in October. So you got to get to the middle at least two and three. And then, like Blaine Fowler said, you can get over 500 and stay over 500. Bradley Perkins in on Facebook. Come out of September with a winning record and no 20 plus point losses. If you compete well against Wisconsin and Washington, Moral victory. Yes, but that absolutely factors in. It'll make fans feel better about how things – if you can play with a top-10 team on their home field twice – It depends. If you, you have to win two of the other three. You have to win two of the other three. I don't feel good at one and four no matter how close the margins are. I don't know. I'm not talking you know about the I mean? over. I'm just saying, like, if you can – man, you beat Cal and Arizona and then Competing's go and – Competing's good, but you got to win outside And of lose to Wisconsin by 14 or something. Two and one, everybody's feeling really good about the prospects of what BYU has going. Coming up, what brought former Cougar L.J. Rose and politician Ted Cruz together? Ted Cruz got a mean crossover. No, he doesn't. I saw the video. And we bring in a national champ and soccer insider to help us decipher some of this World Cup mystery that's unfolding in Russia. Is Croatia really going to make it past the round, the round, the round robin part of the tournament? We'll find out. This is BYU Sports Nation. Should we go to BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is the week of BYU Football Media Day. It's coming up Friday, June 22nd. Lots of programming coming up on BYU TV and BYU Radio. We have a two-hour edition of the program this Friday. BYU Sports Nation, players and coaches on the program. Do not miss it this Friday. Live from Studio B, this is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside the fountain of knowledge, Jerem Jordan. Our daily BYUSN rebroadcast airs weeknights on BYU TV at 6 p.m. Eastern. If you're listening on BYU Radio for that rebroadcast, that's 7 Eastern, 5 Mountain on Sirius XM Channel 143. Our question of the day, what would BYU football have to do to make a statement in September? Tom Anderson on Facebook, says the following. Win at least one of the road games and both of the home games. Now, there are three road games. So, three and two in September. Three and two, yeah. So, beat McNeese State, obviously. And Take then care beat of Cal, at Cal home. And then you're hoping to get one more. Probably Arizona. To, beat, to, to hope to beat a top 10 team on the road is quite spectacular. Like, how many top 10 wins on the road does BYU have? Because you think about the great wins in BYU history. At Pitt was one of those. That Pitt team ends up 3-7-1, but at the time they ranked third. Oklahoma's neutral. Miami's home. So going on the road is very difficult. I do not expect Washington or Wisconsin to be 3-7-1. Like, these are going to be top 20 yeah. teams in the end. Yeah, we've talked about Texas A&M in 1979. That neutral. Was, that was not a top 10 team, and it was considered a neutral site because it was played in Houston. Yeah, it's still in Texas, but like Oklahoma and Dallas. is. How many is. top 10 road wins does BYU have in program like history? I have a homework assignment this afternoon. <laughs> uh, few and far between. That's the point that we're making. Joining us now on BYU Sports Nation, making his debut in Studio B is Jake Entz of BYU Soccer. Jake, welcome to the show. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Jeremy and I were just discussing the Mexico upset over Germany and trying to quantify and qualify how much of an upset that was. I I compared it to BYU beating Oklahoma in 2009 because I feel like it was a neutral site, obviously, 
but pro-Germany crowd, being that they're in Russia. Mexico. No, it was pro-Mexican. It was like 80 <laughs> There was a lot of Mexican fans. Tony Mueller said he thought it was 80-20 Mexican. What? There was a so lot it's a of Mexican fans, home yeah. game in Russia. A Mexican home game <laughs> there was a in lot Russia? Of fans. No, yeah. It's like it was LS. Or do fans just hate Germany, and so they all root against Germany? <laughs> I don't know. Regardless, <laughs> I think it was 9 BYU over how, how much of an upset so, do you view that as? It's, it's a huge upset. I mean, of course, Germany was like first in UEFA, like, ranking right and then mexico's 14th so i mean you can gauge on that but chicharito like, cried man. <laughs> okay he cried okay. Me were, tears is your argument Come okay on, here's man. the thing though you got to remember like in the 2010 world cup spain lost their first game to switzerland one nil. so like i mean germany still has a chance it's not like a huge upset i mean of course mexico they're crying they're cheering but <laughs> they're not gonna go far like I mean, you don't think Mexico will make it out of the pool? They'll make just, it out of the pool. Okay, yeah. They'll, they're not going to go far. Gotcha. They're not going to go far. Now, Argentina, Iceland. To me, that was a big deal because Iceland's three hundred thirty thousand first World Cup, first yeah. World Cup game. They tie Argentina. Messi misses a PK. I thought that was a big deal. As it's well. it's a big deal. I mean, but Iceland's making a big show. I mean, they've won the Euro. Like big. They're all the dark horse, you know? Mm-hmm. They are showing themselves. I mean... They're the sentimental they're, favorite. They're the sentiment. I mean, everybody likes cheering for them. If you like guys that cry, you're going to like Iceland because they're the, the skull, the emotion, <laughs> the clapping. The, the clapping, yeah. It's they're, awesome, man. The Vikings. Their keeper is like a film production specialist <laughs> so cool, for his right? full-time yeah. job. And they had, some of these guys, like they had coached like a part-time like truck driver <laughs> or dentist or something. You know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, what's that show on... Uh, Nat Geo as an ice truck driver. Ice truckers. Oh, no. ice truckers. <laughs> in Iceland. <laughs> Didn't yeah. I see that guy in ice truckers? Uh, who are you rooting for in the World Cup, Jake? So I'll be completely honest. I, I made a bracket with the team. I have Germany winning. Um, but like, I, it's not like I'm cheering for them. I just like picked them because they have the most depth. But, I mean, I want Belgium. I want that dark horse to pull through and Belgium pull through. I mean, they're up 3-0 right they're now. They're dominating. Watching Panama. the game right yeah. now. So. Yeah. Eh, also talking to you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> who 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 do you have as the best player in the world? There's this always this debate between Messi and Ronaldo, right? Oh, Ronaldo's first game against Spain was incredible. Was incredible. That, hat, that trick. hat trick had me shook. Um, you know, right now I would say Cristiano. I would say Cristiano because of that first game. Because of that first game, Lionel Messi did not play up to par. He hasn't really showed himself like that in other World Cups as well. I mean. Even though in the last World Cup they, Even got, though to they the got to the final. Yes. Yeah, the final. yeah, I mean, he led the team there, but they didn't win it. So, The last time the United States hosted the World Cup in 1994, it did you wonders, born, it right? did I wonders I was, for I was, the sport. Wait, 1994? Wasn't here. No. Yeah, 1996. <laughs> the MLS was, make a huge argument that the MLS came about because of the World Cup and the sure. growth of the sport. The United States, Mexico, and Canada get it in 2026. What do you anticipate it will do for growth of the game in the United States when they host in 2026, and the build-up up to that. It's huge. Um, I was watching a couple uh, things about it, and I don't know. Do you know Pedro Vasconcelos? Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. Oh, okay. yeah. He's, Pedro. He's a very controversial person about that. He, he posted a lot of things on Facebook. Doesn't <laughs> like it at all. Um, but I think it's huge for the country, and it's huge for Canada as well. I mean, Canada doesn't have that much of a, you know. A soccer brand? Soccer, right. yeah. Like, their but. most famous soccer player is Steve Nash. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, like, or like Will Johnson, who played for RSL for right. a couple of years. But, yeah, I mean, it's huge. And it's huge for the, the world as well. I mean, like, you look up um, how many people are going to the World Cup or bought tickets to the World Cup in Russia. 
United States is the number two. There's Russia and then the United States. Isn't so. that interesting, even though the United States is not in it? Yeah. That's crazy. So, um, I was disappointed Salt Lake wasn't one of the cities involved. But yeah, so we'll, have to, we'll have to find another right. city. Denver. Okay, tell us about uh, BYU. So you guys used to play in the Premier Development League right. during the summer. Got out of that, you played club, and mm-hmm. you won the national title. In the fall. How, uh, how satisfying has that been to it's, not only win that, but now you have the summer off. Right, right. Now we have the summer off. We can uh, take a break. Still like running and stuff, you know, keeping fit. But, I mean, you know, getting straight into the club and, and winning the national championship. That was fun. Do you that expect to win it again this Oh, fall? yeah. No doubt. It, what, was it easy? Because the, the so, PDL was really hard. So, I'll, I mean, the competition wasn't um, what we expected, as, like, as high as it we, we expected, but... I mean, there there were a couple good teams in the national championship. I'll give them that, but it was a lot easier than PDL for sure, for sure. What's the next step for a program that wins the national title in the first year upon returning to club level NCAA soccer? Two, we get two, two national championships. Go back to back. Yeah, back to back, of course. Okay, well, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma, and we'd like your signature for oh, the approaching well, okay. season. Yeah, okay, sounds good. So, if you don't mind, give us Go your John Hancock that, on the stretch wide flag. Sign that flag. Make it legible so later we're like, oh, yeah, that was Jake Entz. <laughs> right now I'm like, I don't know who uh, most of these people are. A bunch of doctors, apparently. Jake yeah, Entz of BYU men's soccer. The Cougars going for back-to-back national championships at the club level. It's always good to win. Uh, yeah. Also, dropping some World Cup knowledge. Oh, yeah. He, he was our World Cup expert. He came in and uh, <laughs> shared some nuggets of knowledge. Fantastic. We should have uh, rolled out our official World Cup music while we did that. Ooh. Next time. <laughs> Next time. Well, Jake, Jake, nice job, man. Yeah, good to have Thanks you. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Coming up, a few BYU Cougars were involved in what's considered the greatest USA rugby win ever. We'll tell you who and where. Plus, who earned the elite voice of the day answering our question of the day? What does BYU football have to do to make a statement in September? And you won't want to miss this rising show. Oh, absolutely. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most. Shout out to today's guests, Uncle B, Blaine Fowler, dual threat analyst, and Jacob Entz, who is now maybe our World Cup uh, update guy. Yeah, dude. A BYU men's soccer. Dennis Pitta, apologies. Again, we ran out of time. If you missed any part of today's show, you can download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Golf. Brett Rasmussen completed two rounds in the U.S. Open last week. He was one of only 20 amateurs. He finished 14 over. Didn't make the cut, but what an experience for Rasmussen. Adopted Coug Tony Finau finished in fifth place at five over. Rugby. Saturday, Paul Lasique, Sean Davies, a couple of former BYU guys, started for USA Rugby as the Eagles pulled off what's considered the best win in USA Rugby history, taking down sixth-ranked Scotland 30-29. to in Houston, the Eagles play Canada in Halifax this weekend. Cougars overseas. Brandon Davies and Zalgiris in Lithuania took a 2-1 series lead with a 90-80 win over Leotuvas Ritas in the LKL Championship. Davies scored a game-high 27, also had seven boards and assists and a block. Cougars in the minors. On Friday, Jacob Brugman, 2-for-2 two two with an RBI, two walks, and two stolen bases in the Norfolk Tides. 7-2 loss to the Charlotte Knights in AAA baseball. Brugman tied for first on the team with six stolen bases. Colton Mahoney pitched five innings with six strikeouts and a 7-6 loss to the Jacksonville Generals in AA. 
And in single-A baseball, Colton Shaver, two for four with an RBI and a two-to-one win over the Burlington Bees. He plays for the Quad City River Bandits. Volleyball. USA Volleyball had an undefeated weekend in Chicago with wins over Serbia, Poland, and Iraq. Team USA in second place overall in the Volleyball Nations League. 29 points and a 10-2 record. Former BYU player and coach Rob Nielsen is the number one assistant on the team, while Ben Patch and Jake Langlois are also a part of the squad. Our question of the day, what would BYU football have to do to make a statement in September? Let's go to the Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Cade underscore Brown underscore 20 on Instagram. Win every home game and steal one on the road. Most likely Arizona. So another vote for three and two. For three, yeah. So win two at home and then win one of the three road games in September. I'm being more convinced that three would be the statement. That would be an internal statement that, okay, this is not last year's team. This is a new BYU team uh, showing better to start the year. That will end up hopefully meaning more wins, uh, bowl eligibility plus. Because six is the minimum for a good season. BYU gets seven, I'm like, okay, nice. Eight, I'm like, over the moon. A winning record in September and expectations dramatically change. Heck, even winning the opening two games changes expectations significantly dramatically. moving forward. Then eight wins, maybe nine wins comes into play, right? That's what people are talking about if yes. BYU opens 2-0. and At DBYU Fan for Life, scoring at least 24 points in every game, thank you, Bronco, would make a huge <laughs> statement that BYU has a competitive offense again. 24 against McNeese State, yeah, it needs to be like more than that. So, yeah. I'll take I'll take 20 against Wisconsin on the road. Good grief. Seriously. The elite voice of the day from at chat L call on Facebook. Win, baby. Win. I appreciate the response, but that was the elite voice? That one? <laughs> really? <laughs> Who's voting on this, man? Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help when you need it most. DexterLaw.com. And it goes to Caleb Heaps, a 16-year-old BYU superfan who recently lost his battle with cancer, to Caleb and Caleb's family. Thank you for inspiring us to be better and live better and for your courage and positivity. Outstanding stuff. Rise up flags around the church where they held his funeral ceremony. Uh, we, uh, we send our best to Caleb's family. Thank you for helping us. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Hashtag BYUSN. Shout out to Lynn Murphy for Jeremiah Spencer. We'll see you tomorrow.